me tell you something, creatures of the night. You could always tell that the Hulkster meant business whenever I'd rip off those red and yellow shirts of mine back in the day, brother. I must have gone through a million of them throughout my career. But no matter how much I needed to show people I meant business with those 24-inch pythons, I would never have ripped up one of those incredibly beautiful, soft, and comfortable talking taker t-shirts available over at tpublic.com. That wouldn't work for me, brother. They're way too nice. You can show your support for the podcast and tell people to take her easy, or that you're going to take her care of business, or maybe that you're a biker taker guy or girl with any of these fine t-shirts. You can get a super soft tee, a hoodie, a baby onesie, or even a tank top if you really need to pull those straps down, if you know what I mean. They all work great with your favorite Yapapai Indian strap. So say your prayers, take your vitamins, and get your order in, creatures, and let Talking Taker run wild on you. Alright, Creatures of the Night, welcome to episode 87 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio and I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. I am joined here as always by my co-host, by my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature, the better half of this mega powers of podcasting, Mr. Travis White. Travis, tonight we are talking about Judgment Day 2002 and a rematch 11 years in the making between The Undertaker and Hulk Hogan. But my man, I cannot stop thinking about how in the present day, only one of those two competitors was at WrestleMania 35, and it wasn't The Undertaker. <laughs> I know. How are you feeling about this, you know, a few days removed from The Undertaker missing his first WrestleMania in almost 20 years? Yeah, last one he wasn't on was what, WrestleMania 2000? So yes. WrestleMania 16, right? So yeah, 19 years he's been on every one. And I uh, wasn't on this one, yet he was on the Raw afterwards. So, yeah, man, it did not feel right. I did enjoy WrestleMania, I will say that. Uh, overall, good show. Long, really long, but definitely gave the fans what they wanted. But um, not what us Taker fans wanted. I, I really was wanting to see him there do something, uh, have him in that John Cena spot, have John Cena and him come out for Elias, uh, which wound up happening next time on Raw anyway. But... Yeah, it was weird, man. And then uh, old good brother Hogan opened up the show, though, with his flub. <laughs> Dude, the funny thing about his fake, he, he was trying to pretend about the flub, the, and then he really flubbed it anyway. It was incredible. It. Yeah. You can't write that stuff, man. No, you can't. So, I guess that made up for taking not being there. <laughs> How'd you feel about him being absent? Yeah, it was just weird, you know? It, like you said, it yeah. didn't feel right. We had... All these ideas and all these hopes, and we know a lot of you listeners have those as well because you shared them with us, and we shared them on last week's podcast, and you know none of them came true. Although you know the idea that a lot of people were speculating about Undertaker and Elias having a segment together ended up happening on Monday Night Raw this week, the Raw after Mania, mm-hmm. as you know the Undertaker and the WWE just kind of keep us guessing, I guess, as Taker sort of is now becoming what we were seeing Hulk Hogan was becoming back here during this era. Just, you know, this weird nostalgia act that's going to come out for a cheap pop and, 
you know, maybe have a match at Saudi Arabia pay-per-view, possibly, maybe against Elias. It seems like that's on the table. Um, you know, just taking it for what it was, I enjoyed the thing on Monday Night Raw. Uh, but, you know, it's all yeah, yeah. it's all just a little weird. It all kind of feels a little meaningless and directionless. Well, for sure. And usually Taker pops his head in in January or February and quickly builds up to a match at, at Mania, but... um. Last year, he didn't even pop up till Mania, so now he's popping up the night after. I guess he's just, I don't know, he's hes getting his calendar wrong or something. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on. But uh, I tell you what, man, Elias has the best job in the WWE. Without question. <laughs> dude, dude gets to not take a bump, uh, you know, control the crowd, act like a fool, have a sweet beard, and then get in the ring with uh, throwback John Cena and... <laughs> Undertaker, it's just man. Jeff Jarrett, I can't ask for a better spot. Yeah, Jeff Jarrett, I can't ask for a better spot to be on than the Elias's spot, man. So, dude, good, how, good on him. How did they not do a honky tonk man Elias spot this entire weekend? How did that not happen? I know. What is wrong? Or did he slander one man band? <laughs> <laughs> Could have brought out Jarrett, honky tonk man. Come on, and and he slander. <laughs> Huge missed opportunity there. But, uh, you know, it is kind of crazy. If you go back to the beginning of this podcast, we obviously started it in the summer of 2017, thinking that The Undertaker had retired at WrestleMania 33, uh, kind of hoping that he had, having almost a perfect storybook ending. But, you know, we've kind of evolved that thinking as we've gone along, as we've seen him, you know, continue to compete and continue to wrestle. And we've kind of become okay with that and excited about that and just gone to the thinking of, well, if he wants to do it, then then we want him to do it. He, he can go out on his own terms. He's earned that, yeah. and we're just going to have fun with it, whatever he ends up doing. Uh, but, you know, just him not being at WrestleMania, he's just been so associated with WrestleMania, and it's such a long show. It's not like they what there wasn't room for him to do something in there. It just... It all right. felt just a little strange, and I, I just—it's funny that we've kind of flipped to the other side of not wanting him to be at WrestleMania last year, and then being disappointed when he's not at <laughs> WrestleMania this year. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then he—he—he he, he made an interesting uh, post on Instagram today. Uh, well, as of this recording is today, but um, he put some pictures of him backstage at Barclays with his, you know, his get up on, and it says um. Yea, that I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for I am the evil. So he partially quotes the Bible and adds to it. So, because the for I am the evil is not in there. But then it one. He's still learning, people, you know. Yeah, he's still <laughs> learning. He's going back to that Texas uh, pastor's <laughs> church. <laughs> Get a little brush up on it, but anyway. But a couple of hashtags he has at the bottom, which is just weird for me to even say that Undertaker has hashtags. Yeah. yeah. But, but but one of them says hashtag I will decide when it's time. So. There you go. He's on his own terms. Uh, he'll decide when it's time to hang up his boots, I guess, or when it's time to go to Saudi Arabia, whatever, whichever one it is. I mean, and ultimately, it is his decision, and we're huge fans of him and supporters of him, and, you know, we criti- we criticize and we critique as fans. You know, we, we try to be honest here on this podcast, but ultimately, sure. we get excited. Uh, we've, we've grown to love him and appreciate him more than we ever thought we would when we started this podcast, and so... You know, mm-hmm. if, if he's going to continue to compete, no we're going to get excited for it. We're going to watch it. And in a 
couple of years probably with some perspective <laughs> once we get to that match or whatever this era of his career we'll talk about it more in depth uh, with a little uh, time in between it and analyze it a little bit more because we'll we'll get there on this podcast eventually we'll get there eventually but right now tonight we are talking about judgment day 2002 or as i like to call it the match after backlash <laughs> <laughs> the match after backlash or uh, what does jerry lynn call it uh, right now, he called it. I'm not there anymore. Actually, oh, so he's been released. <laughs> he, had, he had a rough go of it, but uh, you know, what are you gonna do, man? What are you gonna do? Well, let's hop back in the time traveling motorcycle, or you know, maybe we could just uh, you can just tie yourself to the back of the motorcycle and we'll drag you around back to 2002. It's sort of a fun ride around the arena. Uh, we'll talk about. <laughs> we'll see, you'll see what we're talking about here as we talk about, you know, possibly two of the most hilarious, dirt worst, dirt worst, wrestle crappiest, so Don't bad they're amazing moments in the Undertaker's career. Back to back weeks right here with Hulk Hogan as we go back to May of two thousand two. Uh, we left off at Insurrection 2002, a match so explosive it shattered the ring between Undertaker <laughs> and Triple H for a shoot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and now we're going to a time that ended an era here, as we talked a little yeah. bit about it last week. This is Raw, episode 467 on May 6, 2002. The WWF <clears throat> is dead Long live world wrestling entertainment as we are about to get the F out. WWE forever. This is what their new, uh, their new slogan is in front of the little, the little ticker thing beforehand. It just has WWE forever. So I texted you the other day. It's like they must have taken a page out of Undertaker's book. That's right. November, November of 01. So yeah. Yeah, man. Get the F out, dude. That's just, uh, man. This is it. The WWF has come and gone. Like I said, we're using this um, Undertaker as a conduit to tell the story of professional wrestling and the WWE as well, you know, in addition to his story. So, yeah, this is a big, big deal, man. I mentioned last week that, you know, they lost, ironically lost the battle to the WWF World Wildlife Fund via a UK court ruling. And their last broadcast under that name was from the UK. So, yeah, here they are quietly back in America. And this is it, man. Um, lady trimming the bush out in the front yard, and uh, that's how we're all opened up. I remember Wait, it was crazy. Can you can you please give some clarity to what you just said? This is a lady doing Edward Scissorhands trimming a bush out in the front yard, a okay. bush in her yard, <laughs> and she trims off the edge and it says WWE now. So it's, yeah, get the f out. So. I'm just, just going to let that sit out there. Yeah, uh, just let it <laughs> marinate. <laughs> yeah, man, this was a wild time. You know, I, I think, along with many other wrestling fans, never thought we'd get used to saying WWE. And, you know, sometimes we still slip into WWF. And, uh, you know, people still do that. Still, people still use either one as shorthand. But it has become commonplace, man. You, mm -hmm. do, you, you got used to saying WWE and never thought that change would work. But here it is. We're there. And, kind of emphasize the change in a business as well as they you know focus more and more on entertainment or on trying to be entertaining that we'll see in some very uh cinematic segments on these uh next couple oh. shows <laughs> that we're gonna cover here um you know yeah, exactly as the union underground sang in the raw theme song through it all they say nothing's forever 
kind of like the career of Scott Hall, Xbox, and Mr. Perfect after that playing Ride from Hell. This is their last appearance on television at this point in their careers. So, yeah, this marks the end. And the next week, I think, uh, I think Ric Flair says something like, I had to get rid of Scott Hall. He just wasn't cutting it. He just kind of <laughs> casually mentions it. It's so funny. So, yeah, X-Pac uh, was the one cutting it. Yeah, exactly. Michael Hayes' right. hair, that is. <laughs> exactly. Dude, dude, dude. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it just goes again to show you how crazy 2002 has been. As we mentioned, I yeah. think it's underrated for what such a, you know, wild, manic year that it is. But this is another part of it. Oh, yeah. And, dude, when this Raw opens up, it's, it's the WWE now, but a good old JR sitting there in a WWF t-shirt. Yep. Behind, behind the commentary desk. You know, there's it's still so plenty of Fs on this show that they did not get out quite yeah. yet. Yeah. Uh, well, one guy who was coming in, not getting out, was The Undertaker as he uh, you know, lost to Triple H last night or a couple nights ago at Insurrection. He's obviously in a bitter mood and he's riding into the arena uh, and asks some schmo to just watch his bike for him. As uh, You know, it's we've seen this over and over again. It, he just asks random dudes backstage to watch his bike and he never learns his lesson. It always works out poorly for him. Like... I, I, you know, I don't get it, man. I don't. Yeah, going back to the Kurt Angle thing, like in 2000, 2000 I guess it yeah. was. Yeah, it just never works out. He never learns. You know, he has to learn the hard way, I guess. So, or maybe it's just like this great character trait of him that he like wants to give these young guys a chance to like earn his respect <laughs> and Brony's backstage. Yeah, maybe that's it. Oh. He's too nice for his own good. Maybe. This is the original. You had one job. Like hashtag. You <laughs> yeah, had one job. Watch, watch my bike. Don't let anyone drive off with my motorcycle. <laughs> but he could not do it, man. It's because uh, we see Undertaker in a little bit walking backstage, and he walks back to this schmuck who was watching his bike, and this idiot informs Undertaker that Hulk Hogan stole his bike. <laughs> this dude couldn't even stop Hulk Hogan from getting on a motorcycle, man. Yeah, and as I guess he was just too caught up in the nostalgia of it. That's probably what it was, man. Asked for an autograph or something that was blown away. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, as King notes on commentary, this is not going to be good. So, well, that's a bold <laughs> statement. Very prescient. <laughs> yeah. uh, we hear Roland queue up over the speakers and into the arena, and Undertaker's Titantron start playing, but. Alas, it is not the Undertaker who rolls out into the arena. It is Hulk Hogan being serenaded by Limp Biscuit <laughs> into the ring. <laughs> Could you repeat that? Hulk Hogan, serenaded by Limp Biscuit, rides in to the Raw arena. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. <laughs> well, what, dude, I don't. Do you think Hogan's been on a bike since Road Wild uh, 2000? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. I don't think so. <laughs> Tim. <laughs> oh man yeah this is maybe his first time on a bike since whatever the last road wild or hog wild pay-per-view was would have been 2000 or maybe 99 did they even do one in 2000 i don't know but they didn't um, do it at the bike rally anymore i don't think right i think they stopped doing it there but yeah, anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can tell here as we're about to see uh hogan <laughs> Tells Undertaker if he wants his bike so bad, he needs to bring his bad ace to uh, to come out and get it. And so Undertaker obliges, and we get to hear Limp Biscuit twice in one night. Unbelievable, yes. man! <laughs> what a treat! 
can't get enough. <laughs> so uh, Undertaker comes out. He's angry. He says to Hogan, you know, you should know, brother, that you never touch another man's mi- uh, motorcycle, man. Uh, you never do that. Everybody knows that. Exactly. Should have learned that. Rule. Uh, and Taker <laughs> says he's going to shoot straight with Hogan. Uh, he was already planning on giving Hogan the beating of his life at Judgment Day. And in the past, he sent people to the hospital just for giving his bike a funny look. So um, he's going to give Hogan one chance to get off his motorcycle. And if he doesn't, he's going to walk down there and kick his teeth down his... Blah, blah, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Exactly. That's literally what Hogan said. That's what happened. <laughs> it's a recreation right there. But I'm going to give you one. One opportunity to get your ass off my motorcycle. And if you don't, I will walk down that ramp and kick your team. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. You know something, Taker? Are you actually going to do something? Or are you just going to stand up there? Like the bitch that you are. Oh, oh, Can you believe that? Hogan has called the Undertaker out. He literally says blah, blah, blah. It was so childish. I love it. Dude, Hogan, this whole thing, like, I'm wearing my Hulk Hogan shirt right now. I'm a Mega Powers yes. shirt. Uh, Hulk Hogan is what got me into wrestling. He will always and forever be my favorite wrestler. You know, obviously, as a person, <coughs> has some character flaws. No doubt about it. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, always going to have a soft spot for Hogan. <clears throat> and I was all for it back then. But watching it back, man, it's this... His character is so weird because he's not mm-hmm. hes not um, red, white, and blue, say your prayers, take your vitamins, Hogan. He's Hollywood Hogan trying to be a baby face while wearing the red and yellow. So he's like trying to right. be the NWO style Hogan, but in a baby face way, but not the traditional baby face Hogan. And it just, it's so strange, man. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. It's like this, this melting pot of the last... Uh, ten years of his career all put into one. He can't. His like identity crisis. Yes. You know, we don't know what it is. Trying to serve too many masters here. Like which one am I going to be? But um, you know, it was like you know, last week I mentioned he goes on this '80s promo. You know that he gave his '80s promo before Insurrection, and like, yeah. it was straight up Hulkamania. Whereas this stuff is Hollywood Hulk Hogan. You know the the heel NWO. He's going to do some stuff in this match that's very heelish. <laughs> We're going to get to. So yeah, it's weird. He's serving too many masters here. That's it, man. And I didn't, I didn't remember it being that way back then. No. But just watching it now, it's, some part of it did not click. Uh, sort of like the engine did not click over on the motorcycle. <laughs> As uh, Hogan tells Undertaker, he's just going to bring the bike up there to him, brother. So he, uh, he revs that engine up and he rides that motorcycle and chases Undertaker all the way to the back. And they have this... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> That's what was supposed to happen. <laughs> Instead, Hulk Hogan revs up the Undertaker's motorcycle like he's going to gun him down and moves about three inches and stalls out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Just man. Just an absolutely hilarious moment on live TV. Dude, it's live, man. You, you, can't, you, you can't mess up like this on live TV. It is, 
it's it sucks. You get caught with your pants down, basically, man. Well, you know, Tanker. you try to pull them back up, and you try to rev up the motorcycle a second time, and it stalls again. <laughs> As you can literally hear the crowd laughing. <laughs> oh yes, there are guys in the front row just dying laughing at this. And dude, Taker's trying to stall at the top. He's a pro. He's doing his best trying to stall there. But you know, honestly, think about it in a real life thing. You would just run away. Yeah, of course. He just run away. <laughs> he's like pointing at Hogan, like, "Don't you do it? Don't you do it?" That's what he's he's like mouthing that to Hogan. <laughs> and the problem is that they have this pre-taped segment backstage that right. only works if Hogan is able to chase Undertaker to the back, which is why right. Undertaker can't just run away, and Hogan's got to figure out what to do here. So. Not knowing what to does. do, <laughs> Hogan just gets off the bike and decides to run after the Undertaker backstage and leave the bike on the ramp. <laughs> and I think uh, was it Pritchard uh, on Bruce Pritchard's show? I think he talked about this about how um, they were like yelling at him, like you've got to go back, you you've got to get the bike through the gorilla position because the pre tape has to roll. Like you can't. Yeah, you can't not be on the bike. <laughs> so, and then uh, this is where it cuts to the commentators and their Jr. and King. Are They're trying, trying to, to. filibuster. Yeah. <laughs> Hogan is almost taunted. I'm not so sure that Hogan is not playing with the Undertaker's mind right now. And Hogan now is off that motorcycle. There's I don't know what the hell Hogan and Hogan and the Undertaker. Hogan is coming back. The Undertaker has left. I mean, Hogan played some serious mind games with The Undertaker. It was obvious what Hogan was thinking about that game. Yeah, but if I were Hogan, I wouldn't venture around that corner with The Undertaker waiting back there. If you, I've never, in the, in the 10 years, 11 years The Undertaker has been here, no one has ever called The Undertaker what Hogan did, in public, if you will, right to his face. I realize that. And, uh, yeah, they completely gotten away with it. Yeah, these are JR. Uh oh. <laughs> They're just making stuff up, man. Uh, so bad so finally you know they're trying they're trying to watch things see things happening and finally hogan runs back down to try it again and we hear the motorcycle finally start up and hogan's able to get the bike up the ramp finally for this segment i mean honestly they should have just like cut to commercial and then like wheeled the bike backstage or something in hindsight yeah wow. <laughs> but it's incredible that this <laughs> it is been too hard to do that but oh yeah but it's amazing that this is not edited on the WWE Network. They just leave oh, all this I stuff in. It. Yeah. It's I great. Love it. <laughs> so uh, why don't you tell us what this pre-tape was all about? Why did he have to get the bike backstage? Okay, so he's got to get it backstage. And he's he's cruising around on the motorcycle looking for what he says is a POS. Taker, he says <laughs> that word again. Like, there's... So much cussing from Hulk Hogan right here. It yeah. reminds me of the very first Vince Russo Nitro episode. There's a scene where he's back, where Hogan's backstage chasing, looking for somebody, maybe Billy Kidman or Nash or Sid Vicious or something. Anyway, but he cusses like six million times backstage in that episode. Um, and this is exactly the same. I don't know, man, but he's just calling him a son of a B and a POS and all kinds of stuff, just cussing, searching around for Taker. 
And then he spots this semi truck nearby, and I guess just has this. He imagines the motorcycle as the rock and decides <laughs> he's going to just destroy it like he did the rock back in February. I'm going to run him down NWO style, brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. It was what it was. So he does, man. He that's apparently that's Hogan's gimmick now is that he drives eighteen wheelers and <laughs> runs over uh, Undertaker's bike. They cut to commercial uh, as he comes up with this idea, and then we come back and he's in the eighteen wheeler, uh, big wheel trucking, and he's looking for Taker, yelling at him, and says, "I'm just gonna give him one last chance to come on out here." And uh, waits through the entire commercial and comes back and runs over the Undertaker's bike and destroys it. Um, just yep. comedic gold right here. Like, even if the bike hadn't stalled out with all that crap, this still would have been hilariously stupid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And another stupid part, like, logically-wise, is, like, after that, he gets out of the semi and he's, like, still looking around for Taker and yelling at him as if... As if Taker had got the upper hand on him. He's like, where are you, SOB? And they're looking around like, come on out here. Like, you just hit his motorcycle. You got the heat on him. Like, you should be done and walk away. Yeah. You know? but, but we don't get that. And then later on, we do see Taker come across his motorcycle, and he is angry, and he's trying to pull it out from under there and kind of changes his attitude once he sees it and uh, just starts putting the boots to it. <laughs> and he picks up a pallet and throws it on his motorcycle. <laughs> He just has a complete change of heart and just beats it up himself. <laughs> He's so mad. <laughs> Man, I hope Undertaker has good insurance because this has got to be the seventh or eighth bike that's been destroyed for him <laughs> over the past two years. Dude. Yeah, it's only been two years. He's got so. terrible luck. <sighs> he does, man. <clears throat> he sure does. Well, that was well, the... Uh, that's going to lead us to... Sm- go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No. Oh, yeah, that'll take us to SmackDown 142 on May 9th. Not too much happening here. Um because most of this is going to take place on Raw, because at this point, Undertaker is a Raw superstar, and as we know, we talked about last week, they're not supposed to cross over brands anymore. But I do want to mention, we mentioned last week that uh, Randy Orton made his debut, and, and this episode of on, on May 9th, SmackDown 142, uh, Deacon Batista makes his debut. How timely, so, man, just as he just retired you know, just in real life. Just swan song at WrestleMania 35. You know, he had his last match. But uh, yeah, he um, he debuts right here, so kind of crazy. It's been uh, what almost seventeen years. That is wild, dude. And it a guy, is. I don't think you know he de- certainly had the look back then. But I don't think if you were watching Deacon Batista, you would think we'd still be talking about him seventeen right. years later. And as a guy that I think you and I became pretty big fans of, you know. Oh yeah, well, and you know. And he'll tell you this too. I've seen in interviews. He'll tell you that the when he finally got the confidence is when he and when he finally felt like he was Batista, who he should be, is when he wrestled Undertaker in two thousand seven. Yeah. All that stuff. So I can't wait to get to that stuff because we were actually there to witness one of those matches. We were. I'm very excited yeah. to talk about those. He's. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about this more, I'm sure. But he's one of the guys we've talked about. Guys that you know had the potential like Undertaker had, sort of had the raw material like. Maybe a guy like Test or Barry Windham or Lex Luger, but just never quite got up over that hump into legendary status. And, you know, some people may argue with that, but I think Batista did. Like, he had the raw yeah. stuff, like a guy like Undertaker had, but actually lived up to that potential and is in that upper echelon of, of top guys. 
Yeah, for sure, man. But you wouldn't know it here on May 9th. You would not so have. He's no. holding the church church uh, offering blocks <laughs> around his neck. So, yeah. But um, just a little bit here. Um, we got Angle, Edge, and Hogan having an in-ring promo. And Angle basically says that he's going to take the undisputed title off of Hogan if Undertaker doesn't because he's the only real American around here. So wow. I guess he's uh, ripping real American on Hogan and on Taker, you know. So, they're, you know. They could have had a three-way match to see who the realest American is. <laughs> that would have been a hot mess that I would need to see. <laughs> Angle, Hogan, and Undertaker. Yeah. So, My God. What a train wreck. Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Um, well, then we get this edited version of that, everything we just recapped from Raw. But it's, this is an edited version, but it's kind of like polishing up a turd. It's still a turd. So it is not much you can do. With it, you know, is what it is. <laughs> I think that's why they don't no. edit it on the network because it's like, what's the point? Right, right, exactly. Well, you can't edit this either. As we head over to Raw on May thirteenth, two thousand two, <laughs> a moment I know a lot of people have been waiting to talk about on this podcast. Um, this is. Oh, this is something else, man. Hogan rolls into the arena tonight. Yeah. He's got his own custom bicycle now. So I don't know, man. Maybe he did ride a lot on his own. Yeah. He's got his red and yellow bike straight out of Thunder and Paradise or something like that. I don't know. Um, and exactly. get this, folks. Get this. I love that show. <laughs> Do you? It was great. Okay. Seeing Sting on television was awesome. I don't think I've ever seen a full episode of Thunder in Paradise. Whoa. I celebrated the whole catalog. I watched all of them. I mean, I'll watch any Hulk Hogan movie, but TV show, that was a, that was a bridge too far. Yeah. No movies barred. <laughs> no shows barred. Um, so Ric Flair, who has you know, just recently turned heel, I think on the last – Week of Raw, maybe, was when he officially turned heel, or two weeks ago, something like that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he is demanding an undisputed title match with Hulk Hogan on this night. So, ladies and gentlemen, listening out there, remember, this is the year 2002, and as we mentioned last week, after years of bashing WCW for their geriatric matches... WWE Monday Night Raw is going to put on a mm-hmm. world title match between Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. Uh, wrestling is weird. Yeah, I'm just going to say it one more time, and I'll think I have to stop. Somebody say something about nostalgia, because <laughs> this absolutely takes the nostalgia cake, man. This is, like you said last week, you know, they've been ripping on the billionaire Ted's kids, the Nacho Man, the Huckster, you know, all throughout the late 90s. Talking about how they got new, fresh faces, and here you go, 1992 all over again. I mean, the most WCW match ever right here. After they put him out of business and hated on them, they're going to run with it, dude. And honestly... Not part of the invasion. No, not at all. Just right here on Monday Night Raw. Um, And... I want you to say your opinion after this. I know you had a different opinion in your notes, but for me... I loved watching this match back, dude. It was the most basic Hogan and Flair match. It was, you know, like it felt like a 1992 match. They don't hardly do anything, and they're both old as crap and not really doing any bumps. But, God, dude, the heat for Hogan and Flair and the crowd was into everything they were doing, and it was just silly and stupid, and there was tons of interference. But 
I thought this was one of Hogan's best, most fun matches of his return, watching it back, man. Oh, I mean, it was definitely, it had a lot of attention on it, because how could it not? You know, I, I just wrote my notes as the overbooked mess, man. It probably just to, to, yeah. to save the limitations that these guys had in the ring. I mean, you got the NWO out there, you got main eventer Bradshaw out there, yeah. you got Austin all getting involved, and it all leads to Hogan pinning Flair after a big old stinky leg drop. So, um, but it's you know it's fine you can hate on it i was just loving the nostalgia of hogan and flair being like i just appreciate them so much more and what they were able to they were able to do so much with so little yeah no it was fine i just uh i mean it's okay i, I just you can say you didn't like i think it. i have a bad <laughs> i think i have a bad taste in my mouth because bradshaw's involved too because he That's just fair. did not do anything for me at this point in his career i, I hated him as a main eventer at this point. Well, in 2004 as well, I hated him. I didn't like him until he retired. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, well, Hogan is going to ride up uh, to celebrate. He does not interfere, amazingly, after you know, yeah. the NWO and yeah. Austin. At Stone Cold it helps Hulk Hogan win a match here, uh, which is a wild yeah. sentence. Um, this thing is funny. <laughs> Hogan rides his bike up out of the arena, and he has no problems with it this time. He's got it fully gassed up on this night. <laughs> but Undertaker, he's upset, man. He is sulking backstage. Mm. Uh, he gets approached by Coach, who's looking for comments about Hogan stealing his bike last week, and Undertaker just gives him a death stare uh, and walks away through the darkness. <laughs> Uh, I love that. He doesn't say anything. No, nah, man, because he, he's got a plan in mind for how he's going to get revenge on oh, this yeah. night. So Hulk Hogan, you know, he's had his victory. He, he's showered up. He's ready to head out of the arena. And um, how would you describe what he has on as he's about to walk walk outside or get on his bike? Uh, um, I, he's got he's got his black leather jacket like Triple H does nowadays, and the absolute dorkiest helmet <laughs> I've ever seen. Like. <laughs> It's well, except for the Kurt Angle one, but it is the like it is a dork helmet. It's a joke. Like it's not a real helmet, man. It's so bad. It hey, is man. the worst helmet. Safety I first. Just, it's so bad. But he is all suited up, man. His I mean, his leather is like up to his neck all the way. Like he's not any skin exposed on his body. So you know something's coming. Exactly. Like a stunt is happening. It's like the thing uh, for Jerry Lawler talks about where he smashed a, a picture frame over Ultimate Warrior's head. And he that was the angle that was supposed to happen. And when Ultimate Warrior came out for the segment, he had a baseball hat on. And it was like, when have you ever seen an Ultimate Warrior wear a baseball hat before? Like, you knew he ruined the angle because you knew something was going to happen because the Ultimate Warrior came out in a baseball hat. And you've got Hulk Hogan with this thick leather jacket and a giant helmet on. Hmm. I wonder if something's about to happen here. Yeah. <laughs> that's so bad. Well, Hogan... That's, that's not even the worst part. Oh, no. We're just getting started. Um, Hogan is going to try to... Ret he says he wants to return the favor to Austin tonight. Austin saved him, so... Hogan is going to be a, yeah, a lumberjack for Austin. Now, Hogan says uh, he was going to just ride around tonight flexing his pythons and spooking some creeps out of the neighborhoods. <laughs> but now I'm thinking things out, Coach. I was going to ride around Toronto tonight, take the letters off, show off the 24th pythons, and spook some of the creeps out of the neighborhoods around here. 
I'm not, I'm not sure what that means. I think that's something that Hogan just had to apologize to the New Day for, but I'm not sure. <laughs> you, can't, you can't say that. You know? I don't think you're supposed to say it back then. <laughs> I'm not sure what he means. Is he like? Is he like your friendly neighborhood spider? Like your friendly neighborhood Hulk Hogan. Spooky some creeps, brother. Who are you gonna call? Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Oh my goodness. Well, but before he can go oh. spook the creeps, uh, Undertaker attacks him from behind with a crowbar. Unbelievable, man. Uh, and then proceeds. Yeah, not not that crowbar. <laughs> then Undertaker proceeds to get out some rope and tie up Undertaker to the back of his motorcycle. And Undertaker says since he doesn't have a bike anymore, he would love to take a ride with Hogan on Hogan's motorcycle instead. And dude, this whole time I just wrote my notes that Hogan is rolling around like he got shot, butt shot, <laughs> point blank in his stomach. <laughs> Take a hit him with a tire iron or whatever, but like he is rolling around like you just put a gun to his stomach and <laughs> pull the trigger. Like, because he's got to sell getting tied up to this motorcycle. It is, oh, it's not good. Well, what it's do you. It's very not good. I guess Undertaker proceeds to do what I think Hulk Hogan wanted to do and proceeds to drive around with Hogan on the back of his motorcycle in one of the most unintentionally hilarious segments in WWE history as he goes on a joyride backstage oh, yeah. with Hogan dragging around. Like, first of all, that's incredibly unsafe to just drive a motorcycle inside an arena with a person attached to it. No. Oh, man. It's so unsafe. But honestly, it looks more fun than anything. It looks just like Hogan's just like... It's like been pulled on jet ski or something. Tubing outside. I know. Exactly. It looks like you go for a joyride. Just, just hanging out behind the motorcycle, sliding all over the place, man. Oh, golly. It is. It, it doesn't look, look like it hurts. It just looks like it's fun. It just it does. He doesn't. He's very safe with them. He doesn't ram them into the corners or anything. He's no. just sliding on his back backstage. Yeah. Uh, and it goes on for yeah, so long. Even like on his face, he's not. No, he's not banging his face on the ground. I mean, he's just on his back <laughs> in a twenty-inch thick leather jacket. <laughs> it's like the safest leather jacket I've ever seen. It's made from like forty cowhides. So thick. <laughs> well, eventually, Iron Digger does fling Hogan into some cardboard boxes. Off to the side. Empty card. <laughs> and tells Hogan, Welcome to my world. I'll see you Sunday. And Whoa. that's how. Is it like Take Taker World? Like Disney World? Yeah. Taker World. Like that's a ride? <laughs> that, that's the ride right there. You get to slide around on a motorcycle backstage at an arena. Like, Flair's got Space Mountain, Taker's got this. 
like even as you were scripting this, how did anyone think this is what's going to sell up some pay-per-views in six days? Much less what it actually became on television. Like I can't fathom this. Man. What's the go home? Hulk Hogan and the two of the most iconic figures I haven't met in eleven years. Oh, what's the go home? I get it. We'll drag this icon behind a motorcycle so unsafely. It's so bad. Like, I'm picturing in my head right now, I'm thinking of, like, back in the 80s when the Four Horsemen would, would like, hijack Dusty Rhodes' car and, like, beat him up out of it, outside of it, or, like, try to run him over, break his arm and stuff. And, like, that was intense, and that was amazing and unforgettable. This is the 180 of that complete opposite (laughs) of realism. It's so cartoonish. It's If you've never seen it, you've got to check it out, people. It's... I mean, it's it's one of the funniest things you'll ever see that has to do with wrestling. It's yeah, it's one of the worst things you'll ever see, and the funniest things. And um, I want to say too, I want to mention this: Vince Russo has said several. I've heard him on several interviews saying that um, he was actually watched this episode because at this point in time, this was in 2002 in May, right after the brand split, he was actually consulting to go back. He actually got hired by Vince McMahon was supposed to be at the King of the Ring pay-per-view the next month, I think. Wait, so um, was this his idea? And be introduced there. No, 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 no. Oh, this okay. was not his idea. He okay. was flipping through the television. Now, he incorrectly says that he was flipping between Raw and Nitro, which we know can't be true because Nitro's gone. But he says, I was flipping on Raw, and I saw The Undertaker dragging Hulk Hogan behind a motorcycle in one of the worst things I've ever seen. He said, and I've written some stuff. It's not great. He said, so <laughs> he realized at this point, this is in trouble. And this is, he called, I think he called Vince and told him like, this is stupid. So this is after, after this Vince hired him. And then he only worked there one day and got let go again. So, but I just think it's funny that Vince Russo remembers this, you know, that he wanted, he watches live and I thought it was awful. All right. Well, I believe that he said that, but mm, I'm going to call BS on that in my opinion, because I've listened to Vince Russo's podcast and what he always, correct me if I'm wrong, what he always talks about, what he thinks makes for great television is when you're flipping channels, you're going to stop and look at whatever craziness that is, no matter how ridiculous it is. That's how he justifies all his weird ideas, right? Oh, yeah. That's because he's like, what was one of them? He was talking about uh, um Balls Mahoney and uh, and Terry Taylor being a cock and balls tag team, and he's like, who who wouldn't yeah. do wouldn't stop on that if you were flipping through channels? Yeah. This yeah. is the most. This is exactly the thing that he would be a fan of because this is like if you're flipping through channels, you would stop and look at how stupid this is. Like, I get he's criticizing it because he didn't do it, but I feel like there's a 100% chance that he could have written something this stupid. So I, I call BS oh, I on you, Vince Russo. I think he absolutely would have written something stupid. I think he's just saying it's dumb because it was it how hokey it looked. Yeah. But I think the idea, he would have executed it maybe a little differently. But um, mm. no, I definitely agree. This is this would have fit in in the Attitude Era crap he was writing. So, <laughs> um, if, if Undertaker was in a ministry garb doing this, I wouldn't have put it, it, it wouldn't have been out of place. That's true. You're right. Well, 
just to try to redeem all this and talk about some intentional comedy that worked on this episode of Raw and cleanse our palate. There is a fantastic segment that is also worth seeking out of Booker T dressed up as a lumberjack with gold dust backstage getting prepared for the lumberjack match in the main event that <sighs> cracks me <Yeah>. up. <laughs> He's got the full beard on. And oh, the that's so funny. Yeah. Um, but then again, uh, 10 minutes after that, Booker T randomly becomes a member of the NWO, taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin in the main event. So that's the just yep. insanity that we're dealing with in 2002. Yep. Nothing makes sense. Nope. So, oh, he's only in the ref for like two weeks and he got kicked out So because they realized it was stupid. But yeah, anyway, it yeah, it's weird, man. Well, that's the go home uh, Raw for Judgment Day. Go home SmackDown. SmackDown 143 on May 16, 2002 is. Um, we see a recap from that beating and the thrill ride that Hogan took on Monday. And um, we see Hogan arriving to the arena, and he's limping. He's got this little mean, sad Sally scowl on his face, but he is definitely selling it. He's limping. Um, you know, he looks very, walking very gingerly, as JR always says. And then um, this is that um, an episode where um, Hogan comes out and gets like another 10 minute ovation. Yeah. Um, just like he did. You know, at Raptor Mania, it's just crazy, man. It's really, you could see him getting emotional during it, too. And it's really getting to him. It's really, really neat to see. Um, they're in, but then, are they in Montreal? They're in Canada somewhere. I think they're in Montreal. Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. It's, Dude, uh, love all they do, man. It's, uh, it's something to see if you've never seen it, man. It's a, uh, we're talking about this promo, it kind of goes downhill, but just watching him get this, yeah. Like legit ovation, not piped in, like not fake. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's pretty mm-hmm. crazy. Maybe he should change his music to "I'm a real North American." Oh, <laughs> that's who loves him the most, man. I'm a real North American. It still works. <laughs> just to yeah, include you still do that. <laughs> Maybe that's why his Mister America run didn't work. He could just been he's even Mister North America. That's it. That's why so. it never <laughs> never really clicked. Anyway, well, he finally gets around to chit-chatting, and um, but he does limp his way out for the promo. I do appreciate that, but he gives the same old spiel about the nostalgia and uh, Hulkamania this, Hulkamania that, Hulkamaniac brother, and um, talking about his dream. You know, if it's his dream or this is he's living his dream, and he hopes it never ends. But you know, if it does end, Hulkamania will always live forever. And Vince comes out, Vince McMahon here, and uh, comes out to interrupt, and he's livid for some reason just because he's vance i guess and he says uh, reality doesn't suck hulkamania sucks <laughs> <laughs> so childish it's so great uh he but, then um, says that i've got to admit i enjoyed monday night raw i enjoyed it when undertaker was dragging you behind your very own motorcycle all over the arena undertaker was dragging you behind your own motorcycle like you were just a great big bag of roadkill. What a sick man. And I'm not sure this man knows how roadkill works. You <laughs> <laughs> think he's chained chain something to the back of your car and drive it around? In a bag. <laughs> you put an animal in a bag yeah, and then the drive Roadkill. <laughs> So he thinks, um, yeah, I don't even know what he's thinking. But anyway, he talks about Hulk Hogan was an icon, but 
not anymore. He's not, he's not immortal anymore. And he sees a shell of what Hogan used to be. And he says the Hulkamania uh, has terminal cancer. He liked that cancer term oh, back then. Loved it. That C word. Um, yeah, he says at Judgment Day, take your will bury Hulkamania. And then he slaps Hulk Hogan across the face. But um, Hogan gets a few punches in and gets a big old leg drop and uh, does all his Hulkamania poses. And, uh, like, nothing's wrong. Doesn't sell that beating from Monday at all. Oh, no way, man. He's hulking up. <laughs> it's out the window. Yeah. Adrenaline's pumping. Um, one thing oh, one thing I did forget to say is that um, uh, Vince does tell him that. He said, I know what that red and yellow stands for. It's the red blood that's going to flow out of you on Judgment Day and that yellow streak that runs down your back. And that's mm. what causes Hogan to, to slap him. So That's a good Vince line. has always been a good heel, but. But I just wrote too, and just think that this episode uh, was brought to you by Kay for Killing Time because there was no point in that segment, um, just to kill fifteen minutes. So that's kind of sums up the problem with this brand split, doesn't it, man? Because <clears throat> yeah. how do you build to a pay per view main event when the champion can appear on both shows but the challenger cannot, <laughs> and you get pointless exactly. fifteen minute segments like this where Vince has to be. Undertaker's avatar, basically, and you know, <laughs> it it sucks, man. You know, yeah, that's it does. It, it kills the, uh, it kills whatever momentum <laughs> there might have been from Monday night. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Where do you go from there, though? From Monday, Whew, they should have just left him off the show. Honestly. Well. <laughs> If you think it can't get any worse, folks, just wait till the match itself here as we come <laughs> to Judgment Day 2002, May 19th. Oh, May 19th. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> the cur- cursed day uh, from the Gaylord Entertainment Center in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, man, my old stomping grounds lived there for five years. Not at the Gaylord Entertainment Center, but in Nashville. <laughs> but, you, man, you and I have actually been to the Gaylord Entertainment Center. It was called the So May Center back then, but we saw Raw there. It was the hottest episode of Raw I've ever been to. In my life. <laughs> <I> believe <laughs> it backs up against the wall. <laughs> the top Literally. <laughs> yeah. Hanging from the Snow rafters, man. And sweat from my brow. <laughs> it was so hot. <laughs> we'll get to that one day out here on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Bridgestone Arena, I believe it is currently. Right? Now, yeah. Yep. So... So we're two years now after The Undertaker returned at Judgment Day 2000. Mm -hmm. And every time I say Judgment Day, I just want to say, Judgment Day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. I say it in my head every time. Uh, We're going to get... Rowley said it on Raw a few weeks ago. She did? All I heard was Jerry Lynn. (laughs) She's a huge Jerry Lynn fan. It's going to be your Judgment Day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, we get the same creepy schoolgirl video yeah. mixed in with this intro that we got from that Judgment Day two years ago. We do, man. We got the, the gallows and the nooses and those three creepy, shining, blonde little girls from that He's Here video. And they've used them even going forward in the future. They wind up using them. But, um, yeah, it is neat that it's been two years and they're still using the same, same old uh, gag there. I guess. I guess it's neat. I don't know. It could be lazy, but I think it's kind of neat. So. But do you remember watching this show? I I have seen it. I I um I thought you had it at one, and I borrowed it from you, but I don't know. Maybe I don't, I, I saw it somehow. I it 
Yeah, we might have watched it together. I don't remember, but could have been. I remember really wanting to see that Hell in Cell, the hair versus hair, and just <clears throat> I was assumed the main event was going to be trash, so I really <laughs> was excited to to watch it. Um, it's from a, from like a physical standpoint, you know, technical. But yeah. this is the first pay per view under that WWE name, so you know the hey. new World Wrestling Entertainment name, and it was a the stat card. It was a visit stat card with that hair match and. You know, all sorts of fun stuff on there. It's not a bad show here. Um, and obviously mm-hmm. a historic one as the first WWE one, as you just mentioned. And, you know, we've got J.R. and King on commentary for the night, uh, for the main event, and for the entire show, even though <laughs> there's a brand split. <laughs> so, yeah, every single match, Raw or SmackDown, has J.R. and King on it, which... I, they still, you can just tell they haven't figured out the brand extension yet. So it oh, just yeah. waters down that separation of the brands. I, I guess mean, they could have gone like WrestleMania the other day and uh, oh had 75 commentators. <laughs> so. Different commentary team for each match. <laughs> Except uh, for poor Michael Cole, who lost his voice over 17 hours of wrestling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, I remember being frustrated about that back in 2002. Like, that literally mm-hmm. makes no sense. You have right. Cole and Taz are there for SmackDown. Why are they not calling the SmackDown matches? And then I think exactly. that next month they, like, do each do half of the show, but they don't necessarily do just the Raw and SmackDown. <laughs> like, it's not that hard to figure out. Like, what's the problem? It's not that hard to. It's, it's <sighs> should be the only idea that popped in their head. Yes, <laughs> should be no other option. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, uh, anyway, well, we're gonna get something cool here. As you guys might have heard at the beginning of the show. So if you watch this on the WWE Network, it would not be your first time hearing this theme for the Undertaker because. Kid Rock's theme is edited off, so we heard this theme for a few months while we were covering those first few months of the Biker Taker era. The Dead Man Walking, I guess it's a, I guess it's a Jim Johnston composition, sort of the original music that we're going to use yeah. for the rest of this Biker Taker era. But this was legitimately the first time it was actually used in real life. The instrumental version uh, is going to get some lyrics to it here uh, after a while, but it's just the instrumental version of that theme song that you heard open this week's episode of the podcast as we change the music to denote the changes in his career. But, uh, man, what did you? what was your opinion on this theme? Well, I I didn't mind it here. I hated it when it had lyrics, man. Golly, mm. it ruined it for me. This was fine because it's a surefire way to assure you don't get that Limp Bizkit or that Kid Rock pop. You know, you're not going to get for that. I, you're going to get, yeah, it's just like, okay, I'm not going to cheer because this music is kind of just whatever, you know? It took me till just now to realize that's probably why they changed it because yeah, you've brought it up like on every episode that he still gets that pop. When, yeah. when Roland comes on and he's supposed to be this big nasty heel, they got to change the music and man, he's not getting that pop when he comes out here tonight. Nope. It I makes a lot of sense. I was confused. They're yeah. Like, Wait, who's coming out? <laughs> well, they new music. They might have been confused too cuz Hogan, excuse me, Taker is wearing Hogan's Yapapai strap around his waist here in an excellent <laughs> heel touch, man. I love so that. Uh, me too, man. I just I love that. It's it's so so great, man. I love seeing that. Oh, man. 
And love it, it, love it, love it. The announcer team, they remind us that Hogan, excuse me, I keep saying it, Taker bloodied up Hogan with that belt a couple weeks ago. He stuck the uh, the sharp part of it and jammed it into Hogan's face. You know, we talked about yeah. that build on the Insurrection episode, but that was obviously building up to this match. Uh, so, yeah, just really, really trying to, to play those mind games with Hogan as he comes out. And not only is he wearing that, he's got some new digs. He's got his Red Devil Big Evil shirt on, which I can't recall seeing that on Raw or SmackDown. I think this is how did he have it on Raw or SmackDown? I don't remember him saying him having that. Well, I remember Randy Turco wearing it for WrestleMania this year. Apparently, <laughs> exactly the uh, the Thank dirt you, Randy <laughs> Dirt Devil shirt, as he called it. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, so apparently that Red Devil moniker caught on a little or bit. Do you think it's? I think it's one of those things like nowadays you could tell they just give these guys stupid nicknames like the Scottish psychopath just to market it. You think it was the, just the beginning of that back then? One million percent, yes. <laughs> Without question. <laughs> but also, I love that he's not red anymore. Like, <laughs> he's not Booger Red. He doesn't have red hair anymore. Right. He's jet, jet black now. Now he's the red devil. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, Undertaker does walk to the ring since his bike was crushed. Yeah. Uh, so haven't seen that in a while. And this is going to be his first time uh, challenging for the Undisputed Championship, as JR notes. And he's going to try to destroy Hulkamania yeah. for good in this rematch from Survivor Series 1991 and this Tuesday in Texas 1991. Some, the Undertaker's first ever championship wins. Yeah, it's very funny how it's taken that long to get them back in the ring together. But, um, well, after this, we got Hulk Hogan coming out to what you called Not Voodoo Child. So, you eloquently put it last week. So, love that. So, Not Voodoo Child plays, and uh, Hogan is mouthing the lyrics and uh, <laughs> looks like an idiot on the network yeah, because it doesn't line up. But, um, <laughs> he's got a good pop, man, here. The Nashville is ready for Hulkamania, dude, and he's just soaking up this. this tour and you know like i said jr tells us it's been decades since they face each other and um really really you know uh, I'm, I'm glad this run is coming to an end here but it was really it was a nice fun little little ride while it lasted so it was and as we talked about last week it's kind of an influential run because this is the first mm-hmm. ever time that WWE really ran with this whole nostalgia thing, and it's fueled so much of what they've done over the past 17 years is treading back on, on the past and those memories. And so you know, we have this Hogan run to thank for it here. Uh, and if you don't like that, then you'll enjoy the fact that Hogan gets the crap whipped out of him to start this match as Undertaker <laughs> takes off the apple pie strap and just begins lashing Hogan over the back with it and... I just thought, man, this should have just been a strap match. Like, if they're going to, that was going to be the gimmick. Why not just do that? That would have been great, man. How, can you get more 80s than, than yeah? Than that has been great. Just go all the way. You know, I would have loved that. I wish they would have. So, that was a mistake. Yeah, like I said, Hogan slides in and Taker just beats on him with that with that belt, and of course he stalks Hebner off uh, to who's trying to you know break it up, but. Hogan fires back with some right hands, and then he, of course, in his heel move that he is, gets the belt and uses on Taker. <laughs> of course but, he does. Yeah. I mean, it is his belt. Sure, it's sure. So, Unjustified. But he's whipping Taker like, like a government mule, JR says, and then finally Earl Hebner grabs the belt and takes it away, and the match can officially begin now. So, 
Hogan, of course, is fighting in his shirt and bandana to start this match off, which you'll notice during this time he did a lot of. Like, I don't know if he was just you know a little nervous about his body or his head, but a lot of these matches he tries to wrestle in his bandana for as long as he can until it falls off. Which is like, <laughs> dude, we've seen your hairline for 15 years, man. <laughs> that didn't change that much. Yeah, you didn't. Have- you didn't have a hairline in Rocky. Like, you, know, you were bald back then. It's fine. Uh, so Hogan starts punching him in the corner, and then uh, they go to the opposite corner. And then, again, Babyface Hogan is just blatantly choking the Undertaker in the corner right in front of the referee. Just choking him like he's Homer Simpson and Bart. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Taker's tongue was just <laughs> sticking out of his mouth like that. <laughs> That would have been incredible. Um, Hogan gives Undertaker a big back body drop like Triple H did in that insurrection match that we'd said we'd never seen before back then, and now we see it again. Uh, Taker (laughs) doing that big thing. Um, And he, uh, excuse me, Hogan clotheslines Taker out of the ring and gets a perfect 10 landing, and then Hogan does the Hogan thing and rips his shirt off, gets that big reaction that he didn't get to get have earlier because Undertaker right. messed up his entrance, but Hogan's gonna get his spots in, brother. And uh, his pop, brother, so he has to get his pops. <laughs> oh, and he got a pop, man. You like, yeah. you can argue about putting the title on Hogan and that decision and whether he deserved that or not, but you cannot deny these crowd reactions he's getting, man. Right? Like it is insane. Hmm. It is, man. And you know he deserved it too. He hadn't been there in a long time, so. It's good stuff, man. I, I'm glad he got it. So, um, when they start brawling on the outside, and then Jr. tells us exactly what we need to know. He says we're not going to see any fireman scaries or wrist locks in this match, <laughs> like this gentleman. So, no sir. He's just yeah. It's not going to be. It's going to be bull and shoe ugly. He doesn't say that, but that's basically what he's hinting at. So, <sighs> Hogan and Taker fight on the outside, and. Hogan whips Taker over the stairs as he does sort of like a Mick yeah. Foley bump, flipping right over the stairs. And uh, Hogan it, it does the right thing, breaks the count, rolls in and rolls back out and continues to beat up Undertaker. Uh, Taker is just kind of bumping like crazy here because obviously Hogan can't do a lot. So after all that, they're going to get back in the ring and Taker's going to take things over, start working over the arm and head up top for old school, but that's not quite gonna work out for him oh no 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 because uh, hulk hogan started his homework and he crotches taker on top turnbuckle and then he takes a page out of undertaker's playbook at wrestlemania and he goes up there and hits a superplex on to t- taker from the middle rope which just surprised the heck out of me <laughs> me too like, man where is this coming from i had no idea it was nuts man i probably heard Hogan's back like crazy. Yeah, dude. I don't know where he busted that out from, but it only gets a two count, unfortunately. Yeah, it's because he didn't go to the top rope. That's right, man. He didn't finish it off. Uh, Hogan, he stays on him, though. He does some awful-looking ground and pound here. He's already looking kind of tired at this point. Um, And then just takes a page out of Undertaker's book and stalks the referee around, Earl Abner, and threatens to slap him. Yeah, he's like holding his hand like he's, like he's going to backhand Earl Hebner. I'm like, dude. And I, it occurred to me that he's actually been a heel since AWA. He he's really been has. a heel the entire time. <laughs> Think about him in the, when he, you know, eliminating Sid, the Royal Rumble, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. He's always been a heel. He just 
it finally worked when he was the you know NWO. <laughs> so, but um, anyway, whatever. Um, then yeah, this one taker is going to go the Bret Hart route and chop block uh, a Hulk Hogan and then start wrapping his leg around the ring post because you know he's got those wobbly knees. He does. <laughs> those knee brace knees. Certainly his weakness here. Um, uh, <laughs> Taker rams the knee into the post. He he works a works a leg lock here that we've seen Undertaker do uh, a number of times. Uh, but Hogan's gonna continue to fight out of it. Hogan is kicking Taker's face in a number of times and, and trying to bash it in to get out of this leg lock. But Undertaker is relentless, dude, and he's gonna wrap. Hogan up in a little Canadian maple leaf single leg crab here, Lance, studying some Lance Storm tapes. Yeah, yeah, single leg crab, man. He was excited about that. So he got that on. We hadn't seen that in a while. I think we saw it a time or two before, but it's been a while since we saw that. Yeah, I think he's busted out once or twice, maybe with Austin or something like that. Well, Hogan gets the ropes, but we see Taker's bleeding from his mouth, and we get body shots in the corner by Taker, and he reverses an elbow and attempts a big boot, but Hogan pulls the rope down, and Taker crotches himself on the rope for the second time in the match. (laughs) It's like Taker's working a broomstick here, man. He's kind of just doing this match (laughs) on his own, and apparently it's a very, very heavy broomstick as Undertaker locks on the goozle, Tries to lift Hogan up for a choke slam, and I mean, how would you describe what happens here? Um, three words: world's worst choke slam. Mm. I mean, it's awful. It is like lifting up a couch, trying to choke slam a couch. <laughs> just, just, just the average person pick up a couch and try to choke slam it. That's what you're gonna get here. Wow, I can't think of a more apt description. Than that. Uh, somehow, <laughs> my head, not my notes. <laughs> somehow it gets a two count though. As commentary calls out that I didn't quite get all of that one here. Uh, <laughs> Hogan is able yeah, to make his way out of it. Count. Yeah, Hogan is just gassed, man. He cannot get up uh, even for a choke slam here. Uh, I don't know if it's edited on the network or not. Like, cause I, uh, like I, I in my head I remembered him like it being even worse than what it was. I don't know if there was like a second attempt or something that they fixed on the network. Do you, I mean, I don't know. Well, we get that second one later on yeah. in the match. So I don't know. I, maybe, maybe I'm mixing both of them in my maybe head. Maybe I the am Mandela too. effect type thing. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, Hogan. But, well, after this, Hogan hulks up like it's 1986 and he's punching and kicking and Hogan and it out brother and, Punching, big boot, posing, leg drop, boom. Taker kicks out of two. Hogan cannot believe it. Dude, that's huge. I don't care what year it is. That For anybody to kick out of the Hogan leg drop, that was a big deal, dude. Right. So Absolutely it was. Um, Undertaker is going to be able to take control again because Hogan makes the mistake of dropping his head. Undertaker gets one of his signature DDTs, and Hogan barely gets his shoulder up for that one. And Vince McMahon has to pick himself up from out of the gorilla position. He can't get enough of watching this match backstage. He's got to come down to ringside and check things out. Yeah, they got to pretend like what happened on Thursday on SmackDown plays into something. So, <laughs> oh, we wasted 15 minutes on SmackDown. Let's bring Vince out. So as he comes out, Taker grabs a chair from ringside because I guess he's, you know, hit the world's worst choke slam and 
figures he can't do anything else, why not grab a chair? So he goes to hit Hogan, but um, he boots the, the chair right into his face, which we, I think this is the third match we've seen that happen in, in a row now. I think you're right. I didn't realize that, but yeah, yeah. it keeps happening Taker did here. it to Austin, Triple H did it to Taker, and now Hogan did it to him. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, that's going to allow Hogan to get another leg drop, but this time Vince is going to distract the ref, so Hogan hurls Vince into the ring and Gives him a punch and a leg drop of his own right there. And Undertaker grabs that chair and just nails Hogan to it right next to Earl Hebner. And (laughs) Hebner's down, but and Undertaker throws the chair out of the ring as JR says he's getting rid of the evidence as if Earl Hebner couldn't hear the massive chair shot that he just gave him. And it's not like wondering, "Mm, I wonder what that was all about. Yeah, what so who stupid. clapped loudly behind me? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like referees lose all their senses in matches for some reason. So, anyway, well, after that, he hits Hogan with the back of that chair, and then he hits the second worst choke slam ever to Hulk Hogan <laughs> and covers him for a three count at 11 minutes and 10 seconds to win his first ever WWE undisputed title. Not only that, it will be his last ever WWE championship. <laughs> he will, of course, go on to exactly. be the cornerstone of SmackDown for a while with the world title a number of times. But this is the last time he holds that title in the original WWE championship lineage, which is kind of crazy to believe. Yeah. And I just noted in my notes here, too, like half the crowd cheers and half of them. Maybe not half. Maybe 60-40 uh, as far as booing and cheering. But I think... No matter when, if you're in a crowd and you see a title change, it's always exciting. So I think you kind of pop and cheer for that, no sure. matter what. But um, yeah, the, the boos come after. But at first, it's, it's kind of one of those yeah boos, like when Roman Reigns comes out now. It's like yay, oh, wait, boo. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's one of those it yeah is. boos here. And it's uh, it was interesting too that he finished him with the choke slam there. It kind of. Plays into yeah. some of the rumors well, about their heat from uh, from 1991, where he allegedly dropped Hogan on his head and broke his neck or whatever with that tombstone that Hogan has famously yeah. talked about. Even though when you go back and watch it, Hogan's head is three feet from the ground. But interestingly, he doesn't take it here in 2002. I mean, he could have taken a last ride, but he probably would have died. <laughs> <laughs> he might have exploded. <laughs> Well, uh, into Pete, like a Lego, Lego, <laughs> Lego man, just exploded in the pieces across the ring. <laughs> He's the same color as the Lego guy. He is. <laughs> He's the original Lego man. Orange is yellow. Uh, Vince is smiling on the outside <laughs> here as uh, his BOY boy has won the title. And in a just oh, yeah. great heel move, Undertaker makes Earl Hebner strap the title around his waist as he holds yes. his hands up in victory, man. You don't see that anymore. No, it's awesome. I love that. I love he just yeah, insists that Hebner, you know, put it on my waist. And that's just that is perfect, man. It's better than him just like slinking out of the ring like a you know, like a cowardly heel. He's just he's gloating in the middle of the ring. Like I just d- killed Hulkamania, you know, I defeated Hulkamania. I'm gonna stand here and relish in that. And I just I love that for that hill for this hill persona that he has. 
Um, but he's not quite done yet. Hey, no, nah, dude. Hogan. He screams out that he wants payback for his motorcycle because you never touch another man's motorcycle. So he grabs a chair That's right. and does the move we've been calling the Takerizer as he slams Hogan's throat onto the top of the chair, uh, just decimates Hogan in the middle of the ring, beats him up with the chair as he does what he said he was going to do. He's, he was going to be the judge, jury, and executioner for Hulkamania and lays it to rest here in the middle of the ring, dude. Absolutely brutal beatdown oh, yeah. that's going to play into things coming out of this, man. Um, and this was pretty... This goes along with 2002 being chaotic because this is the third WWE title change in as many months, which is just wild yeah. to think about. And It's crazy. I, th- I think that's why Vince went with Taker here to kind of help stabilize things during these crazy chaotic times. We've seen that in the past. That's why he went with Taker in 1997 when things were going crazy, put the strap on him then. I think that's why he does it now because things keep changing. They can't figure out what to do. They put it on Hogan for nostalgia, but Hogan can't really go. So it's just like, let's put on Undertaker for a couple months. We're going to figure out what we're doing with this brand split and what the heck's going on with it. That's very good parallel to 97. I didn't think about that because even here you can't trust Austin because he's kind of allegedly unstable backstage and kind of whining and moaning about the creative and deservedly so honestly I mean uh, you know he says the way he went about things is bad but you know you can't blame the guy for being a little upset about things but um you know, and they got this this diamond in the rough and brought Lester coming up that they had no idea. I don't think that, that was going to happen. You know, um, his stock's going to rise pretty quickly. So yeah, it's really neat. And I, I mean, I didn't think about how how uh, similar it is to '97. Um, but yeah, put it on the Rock, man. Not the Rock, but put it on the cornerstone. <laughs> I guess. We'll put it on uh, him next. Rock, so yeah. Put it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll save that next month. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I had low expectations for this. Maybe it was like chronic syndrome where it's just blown up for how bad it is so many years. But going back and watching it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, no. The choke slams were bad, but man, maybe yeah. it's just because I'm a Hogan Mark. But uh, I don't know. What'd you think? It wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, but, you know, it definitely wasn't great. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's only 11 minutes, dude. Like, that's right. pretty short for a. You know, even back then in those standards, nowadays they all go like 40 minutes if you're going to take over. Well, all the main, the main events do. But, um, you know, it's a, uh, it's, I think it is what it is. It's not bad. It's definitely one worth watching for the um, sheer stupidity and the buildup and the, the uh, calamity of the choke slams. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not as bad as I remembered it. You know, I remember thinking it was the dirt worst match I've ever seen, but it wasn't at all. It's been. There's been much worse we've covered. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, But we want to hear what you guys thought of this match. Uh, We always love hearing what you thought of all the matches we covered. And you can always let us know on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Talking Taker. We love your comments on there as well as on our uh, podcast pages, wherever it's on Podbean, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and we are sort of still on Spotify. We had a bit of a mix-up with them, so uh, our archives have been deleted off of there because they were the wrong files, apparently. 
but you can still find our latest episodes on there. We're going to continue to post the new episodes. Hopefully those will continue to post on there. I don't think we're going to be able to get the archives back on there anytime soon. So if you are one of those people listening on Spotify, if you're wondering where those are, if you go looking for them, you won't find anything up to episode 87 on there if you look for those. But they are everywhere else. We're not getting rid of the archives if you got worried about that. I don't know if anyone would because nobody cares. But (laughs) just putting it out there just in case. Uh, Everything else should be normal. Spotify is a little wonky. But everything else is good Uh, and speaking of comments we did get a few of you uh, telling us what you remembered about this match our buddy Tommy from Watch Along Wrestling at Watch WrestlePod he said I wasn't at the show but I remember being all about Hogan after May 18 nostalgia was running wild brother until he won the title he says he thought that was a bridge too far (laughs) so he was happy to see Taker putting into it Uh, both uh, Bob Colling Jr. at Yo Bobby Boy 89 and um, uh, at Wrestling Sane Ma. They both talked about the awful, awful choke slam. Uh, of course, that's the big memory. Sam Valenti called it the greatest choke slam of all time in the history of our, <laughs> in the history of our sport. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, Randy Turco chimed in saying this was. You know, maybe the worst WWE title match ever. I don't know. It's, it's uh, I don't know if it's quite that bad. But he said he still obnoxiously celebrated it like a Super Bowl win because the world title was going on Taker for the first time in three years. <laughs> Come on now. Exactly. Yeah. Gotta appreciate the markdom for Taker there. Love you, it. You have to, man. And he's gonna get a a wild title reign I keep using that word but it's going to be crazy here next yeah. next week as we talk about the build up to King of the Ring 2002 and a rematch with Triple H and brother that match you know we'll talk about that but it's all about the build up next week some of the stuff people have been wanting us and requesting us to talk about since we started this podcast some crazy crazy one off matches on Raw and SmackDown that are incredibly memorable for in this time. Uh, this is some, we talked about some historically hilariously bad buildup this week. We're going to talk about some incredibly awesome stuff next week. There you go. I'm excited. I'm excited to get to it. If you were there, uh, if you were at the Gaylord Entertainment Center, whatever the heck it's called, let us know. You, um, uh, yeah, you hillbillies in Nashville, <laughs> you were there cheering for Hulkamania <laughs> his last hurrah. Um, you know, let us know if you're there. And uh, as always, got two words for you. Take her easy. But that's not enough. I got one more question for you, Jack. What you gonna do, brother, when big evil runs wild on you? I am so excited that Ric Flair has given us the opportunity to be amongst the other lumberjacks. And might I add just how Ravishing you look. I think you and I should get into the spirit of things and sing that song, that lumberjack song. How does it go? Um, oh yeah. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. Kick it. Kick it. Man, I feel like a fool with this outfit on. What your lumberjack outfit at? You don't have to wear a whack. I ain't gotta wear this outfit. I figured you'd look ravishing and 
you know, by the looks of things, I was right. You idiot! Man, I'll hey, tell you what. Since you like the outfit so much, you wear it out there. But look, look, look. Why do these things always hang like this?